The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Alliance Media. As always, with you are your hosts, Pudi and P. Nate. We are in Garage Mahal once again with another episode from our Truth Apocalypse series. How you doing, man? You excited? I, I am very excited, but I thought we discussed last week that I now go by Vanilla Knox. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm not, not there, there yet. No. I can't no. get that started. <laughs> not one person no. has called you that this entire no. week. No. Nobody has. Um, so uh, we are the Rebel Alliance Media. And uh, if you're just now getting to know us, uh, you can find out more about us at rebelalliancemedia.com. Uh, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter and on Instagram, all the social media. And we would just love for you to interact with us, uh, specifically on Facebook. That seems to be where we're getting the most traction. So share our posts, like the posts. Um, that's how you can join the rebellion and uh, and interact with what's going on. Yeah, you can also join the rebellion by following our like brother podcast. Do we call them that? I'm going to call them podcast. that. Yeah, We're in a it. network of podcasts along with the Two Thieves. Yep. The Front Pew Podcast and the Layman's Cup Podcast. All three of those guys, all three of those podcasts, there's multiple guys in those podcasts, put out sound theology. Sound. They talk about great episodes. They have great discussions. Yeah, and yeah. You can, they kind of each hit different things different ways. The Thieves go really curmudgeonly about everything. <laughs> well, the I would very say they're, they're precise <laughs> theologically, right? They, they tackle like deep theological issues. The laymen, they have really good practical conversations, like, like four buddies kind of seeking truth one step at a time, they'd say. And the front pew uh, kind of shows you behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah. So. And, and I was just going to highlight uh, the front pew a little bit. They're doing a series right now on, uh, on kind of bad theology. So they've touched on the bad theology of heaven, which was a great episode. They've touched on the bad theology of like, Jesus told me this, um, right? And, and those little nudges and winks that you get from God. Um, anyway, great episodes. Uh, we love what our, our friends around the BMN are doing, and we would encourage you to go and check out their content. You know, I wonder if, because they're all pastors, I wonder if they actually secretly title that series, Things We Want Our People to Know That We Don't Have Time to Preach. Like, <laughs> be like we want our people to stop saying yeah. these things. I thought you were going to say they have a lot of time to record because they only work one day a week. Well, I just assume that's the case. <laughs> Based on I your, have all the time in the world. Based on your we have record, yeah, we have to record around your busy schedule, working man. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so uh, let's hit some Rebel News before we get to our very special guest tonight and our very special topic. Uh, I have something that I don't know if you're going to believe this. Okay, so this is this is a real story. Let me just read you the, the news headline, and then I want you to react to it, and I'll, I'll tell you about it. The headline is Charter Rights Violated for Couple Who Refused to Tell Foster Kids Easter Bunny is Real. Okay, so, sorry, say that again? <laughs> no, that's, that's a real thing. CBC.ca, this is the news uh, article. So basically what happened is there's this uh, foster couple in uh, Hamilton 
they are fostering two girls with the intent to adopt and they are conservative Christians and they decided not to teach these two girls that they got that the Easter Bunny is real. And so when the CAS worker who came to check and make sure everything's okay, um, discovered that because of their religious beliefs, they weren't going to tell them that the Easter Bunny was real. And instead, they're going to focus on Easter, Jesus, the cross, the empty tomb. Uh, the CAS worker took the girls away from the parents because they wouldn't teach the girls that the Easter Bunny is real. Hold on. So the CAS took the kids away from the parents because yep. they wouldn't lie to their children. That's correct. So so this is, a, this is an actual court document. Uh, so this is a quote. There is ample evidence to support the fact that the children were removed because the bars refused, bars is the name of the, uh, the couple, refused to either tell or imply that the Easter Bunny was delivering chocolates to their home. I am more than satisfied that the society actions interfered substantially with their religious beliefs. So basically, um, the CAS worker admitted that the family is trying to provide a good experience around the holidays, that they are celebrating Easter, but simply because they taught them about Jesus as opposed to the Easter bunny, the kids got taken away. So this is, as ridiculous as that is, this is actually a good news story because the court actually ruled in favor of the Christian couple well, that's and said that their religious rights were violated um, by the girls being taken away. And so the girls are back. But here's my point. My point is that we live in the cultural climate where not lying to your kids about the Easter bunny, like not telling the, uh, the foster kids that the Easter bunny is real, can get them taken away. And if they hadn't fought in court for that, for the right back to these girls, that's what would have happened. These girls would have been taken away from them. Yeah. And so thankfully they had the means to fight, right? Like, and so, and, and I guess this is the point. So good news story. It worked out well, but the fact that this is even an issue is laughable. Like, are you kidding me? This, this blows my mind. Like, not even not even from the Christian perspective, just children being taken away by the government from their parents because the the gov they they disagree with something the government would would put out. But but blows not even my mind. like it's not even just that they would put it. They disagree with something that the government would put out. They're disagreeing with the the parents like perpetuating a fantasy, right? This isn't like they're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not uh, teaching their kids against Christian values. And that would be ridiculous enough. Like if they took it away. But over the Easter Bunny, are you kidding me? Yeah. This it's is ridiculous. Well, it's, ridic it's so, ridiculous. So it's coming out to the day where my kids might go to school one day and tell another kid in the class that Santa Claus isn't real because we won't teach them that Santa Claus is real. And like, will the government come and, and start telling me that I ought not to be teaching my kids about Jesus at Christmas? Like, it's just... Like the government overreach into the lives of families is getting ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely, it is. It it makes me it makes me angry. <laughs> I can see you getting upset right now. So, so go on. Uh, what did you have for Rebel News? Mine is not nearly as serious. Okay. Um, well, that's not serious. That we I, should be laughing about that, except that we want to cry. I came across this article. Yep. Um, it's about Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, my favorite. <laughs> so, the I. The headline of the article, and then I'll tell you who it's from, because then you'll have. Man who got famous showing scantily clad women bouncing on trampolines lectures nation on sexual propriety. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's yeah. obviously in reference yeah. to his Oscars yeah. tirade, sermon. I guess. would yeah. Sermon's a better way to <laughs> sermons, put it. Yeah. It was a three-point sermon. Yeah. Talking about Jimmy Kimmel. It was on the Babylon Bee, which, yeah, we, yeah. which we love. We do but, love the Bee. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I actually shared that article on Facebook um, yeah. when when it came out, and uh, I was I was shocked at how many of my, I would say, unchurched friends came to Jimmy Kimmel's defense, essentially saying, well, that was a long time ago. He's grown up, right? He's matured. Is, is somebody not allowed to mature and, and that sort of thing? And my, my point would be, as Christians, we believe in sanctification, right? We believe that change is possible. So yes, absolutely. But the change is impossible where, where there's no repentance, right? And so that's my problem. My problem is now that this is popular, he's virtue signal, signaling. Now that this is popular to talk about, he goes on there forgetting how he got his start and has never apologized, never repented, never, you know. So this is the hypocrisy of Hollywood again. And we've talked about this, so we don't need to get into the whole thing. But like th this is the hypocrisy, right? So why is it that we can lecture on sexual impropriety? because we recognize our own sin and we've repented and turned away from it. So Jimmy Kimmel cannot take the speck out of other people's eyes because he's got a plank in his own eye. That's, that's how the Bible would describe this. Exactly. I, I found it very interesting as I sat back and watched the interactions on Facebook. I didn't even, it wasn't even your particular one, just other interactions yeah, about yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel. And I didn't see the Oscars. So I heard about this like secondhand, but um, with that idea of like, well, he, he's grown up, like you said, and I, and I thought it was like, this was a long time ago. And I thought about, we're still after a lot of guys that they did things with two women a long time ago. They took advantage right. and they, they have shown repentance of those actions, but we're still out to get them. But somebody right. like Jimmy Himmel gets a pass because he's now becoming their a side. He's, he's woke. Yeah. He's, he's woke. I, I was literally about to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hashtag woke. Yeah. I've been saying that all week since you taught me about that the, a couple weeks back. Yeah. It's great times. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It's, uh, it, it's getting, it's getting a bit ridiculous, but, uh, uh, but I think one of the solutions to this, honestly, is, uh, the topic that we're talking about today. So we are in the truth apocalypse series and we're talking about the lies that the church has bought into, that we've bought into cultural lies, uh, let them infiltrate the church and, and how we've been thinking wrongly about certain things. And today we're actually talking about the topic of the church. And we have a friend of ours, Jay, who's in, and he's going to tell his story a little bit. And, uh, and just kind of talk about church, uh, not because we want this to be a great advertisement for our church, but simply because um, we, we recognize the difference between God moving in somebody's heart and, and all the ways that the church is bought into the lies of the world on how we get people into the church and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about that, lies the church is bought into, right after this. The Rebel Alliance podcast is about discipleship, bringing the gospel message about how to interact in a biblical way with your family, friends, coworkers, and your culture. Would you like to be a part of this? Rebel Alliance Media is looking for financial sponsors. A one-time gift, a monthly donation, whatever you like. Contact the Rebels at info at rebelalliancemedia.com. That's info at rebelalliancemedia.com. Are you afraid to open the last book of your Bible? Do you think you need special revelation to understand the book of Revelation? Are you scared you'll get left behind trying to understand all that symbolism? Are you afraid your brain might rupture trying to figure out when the rapture will happen? Relax. We've got good news for you. The book of Revelation is filled with many symbols and much imagery. 
but you can gain understanding by learning fundamental rules of interpretation and applying them properly to the biblical text. Let Pastor Nate Wright guide you through his Eschatology 101 video series. Check it out at rebelalliancemedia.com slash eschatology. That's Eschatology 101 with Nate Wright at rebelalliancemedia.com slash eschatology. All right, we are back and we are joined by friend, not only of the podcast, but friend of the network, really. Friend of the Berean Media Network, uh, our buddy, uh, Jay Brunsma. Say, say what's up to the people. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for coming, man. Um, and we want to have Jay on. Uh, so Jay actually joined our church about a year ago now. Not two uh, years. Two years now. Two years ago. Two years, yeah. I'm a horrible pastor. Jay, 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 <laughs> it's because of how much fun we had. That is yeah, not true. So yeah, the time is true. flying. Yeah. Jay, Jay's the drummer in my band. Yeah. Can Jay's, I say that? Yeah, Jay's the drummer in your band. Jay Worship is uh, in my small group. Uh, so he's he's a good friend of ours. And one of the reasons we had, wanted to have Jay on the show is because, well, we love Jay. And so having him come out to the studio and hang out with us for a bit is awesome. Uh, but we also, Jay has been involved in church his whole life. Um, and, uh, and I guess, uh, when we are talking about, I guess, some of the shortcomings of churches and some of the ways in which we failed and, and then some of the ways in which, uh, we are hoping to do things better. Um, you kind of have some things to say about that because you grew up in the church and, uh, and I guess in the last couple of years, you've been growing a little bit more than you had elsewhere. So we just kind of want to kick it over to you and just say, why don't you tell us a little bit of your story with the church and that'll kind of spark our conversation. Yeah, I grew up in the church. We went to a Christian Reformed church. Well, since I was born, I was baptized in a Christian Reformed church. Yep. Chuck uh, Knox, if you're listening. That's he right. Was baptized as a baby. <laughs> and I went to Christian school, uh, Christian education from kindergarten all the way up to grade 12. Uh, begrudgingly, by the end of it, I didn't want to be there, but nevertheless, I was there. So we came to Crossroads about two years ago, and I had no idea how much I didn't know hmm. about the Bible about digging into the word of God. I remember texting you after yeah. sermons, like, hey man, you used a word there, eska something, and I <laughs> yes. have no idea what that meant. Can you explain that for me? And, you know, eschatology. And I've had to do that for multiple different terms or whatever to try to figure out what you were talking about. Yep. I went to a church, and it I don't want to say it was fluffy, but it was very, like the typical Sunday school answers, right? Jesus right. is always the answer, right? Yep. There wasn't a lot of critical thinking. So when we're listening to you preaching and Amy, my wife and I, we get home and we start talking about it. We're going, we have no idea what we're doing here. Right. right. And I, I mean, I grew up in the church. I grew up in a Christian school and I still had no ideas. I, I had never heard of the five solas until right. I came to Crossroads. Right. And that's a problem. Yeah. That's, that's a major problem. <laughs> and you went to a Christian reformed church. <laughs> that's right. I grew up in Christian, Christian education. Church. Yeah, yeah. Now, to be fair, some of the later years was probably because of my rebellion and my yeah, yeah very ugly teen years but to point though i'd never heard any of those terms i had no idea what you were talking about when you were preaching on those so we've been hugely blessed since coming to crossroads and and we've been challenged and we've been stretched in ways that we never have been before and and it's been a huge blessing since coming to crossroads now for those of you who are listening and thinking that we're just trying to get a commercial in here for <laughs> for her church uh, that's not what we're doing and but the, the tr- address will be on the <laughs> website yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but there will be a link to the website and the donate now button <laughs> uh, no um but 
I think what the point is here, and, and I, I'm not saying this uh, in a self-deprecating sort of way or, or a false sense of humility or whatever, but in all honesty, it, it, it's not to do with, with what we're doing at Crossroads. It's not to do with who's leading worship or who's preaching the sermon. Um, I really do think that this has to do with some, some really kind of fundamental things that the church has kind of bought into some lies within the culture. One of the things I remember you and I ch- kind of chatting about was that we, like at Crossroads, one of the things we've committed ourselves to is expositional preaching. And so we just pick a book of the Bible and we work our way through it. I think when you first got there, we were like near the end of a year and a half long study in, in Matthew, Matthew, right? Yeah. Matthew, yep. And so, um, and so like you kind of come in in the middle of this and we're just going verse by verse through a book of the Bible. And I think after that we went to maybe Jonah, did we, in First John? I can't remember I think there was something in there before Jonah, yeah, but Miami. yeah. And so I, I just say that to say, I know myself and I know the sin in my own heart and how much I would want to just talk about the things that I'm passionate about or maybe the things that I know I could teach well or the things that selfishly I want to teach on. Preaching expositionally is just uh, a commitment that pastors need to make in order to teach the whole counsel of God. And so, you know, um, so we say that just to say, you know, this isn't about, you know, our church is doing everything right and other churches aren't doing anything right. We're, we have lots of mistakes. And, and I could probably say to Jay, just start listing some of the things we're not doing well and, and we could uh, spend oh, the rest of the podcast doing that. Yeah, we don't need to po- we don't need to talk about that. I posted it on Facebook. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. OK, yeah, that's uh, if you want to um, follow Pudi's thoughts, that's uh, <laughs> he's got his own blog. And, um, no, no, but uh so, I mean, expositional preaching is one of those big ones, right? And uh, and there's just a few things that I think the church has bought into. Another thing that I think, you know, churches have bought into this idea that we need to um, attract people to our churches, right? So we need to have really attractive worship and we need to have like really great coffee in the foyer and that kind of stuff, bring people in here and not worry as much about the, the substance of what they're hearing. I, I know I joke about this all the time, but I preach for a long time on Sundays because we believe that the word is central, right? And so a lot of churches, they say, oh, we want to hold people's attention span, just have a little 20-minute sermon and then some music and get you in and out of here in an hour. So these are the kinds of things that I think some of the churches have bought into these lies. And so it's not necessarily about all the things we're doing well. It's just we're, we're, we're just trying to not fall into the cultural temptations. Yeah, you. There, there, we all know these churches too, and... We're not trying to rip on yeah, certain, yeah, no. certain churches so much, but there are all the there are these churches who their mindset and their mentality is all we have to do is get them in the door. Right. They'll hear the gospel yeah. enough that they get right. saved, and then they can go somewhere else and get fed, or they can stay here and all they join all a they small need, group. Yeah, join yeah. the small group and they'll do do this. And I think I think we're missing the point when we when we do that. We've lost the point of what the church is. The church is primarily it's it's the focal point of your discipleship. Right. What happens on Sunday morning is the, is the most important. thing that happens in your week you know what I mean and that's why it's super important to have a pastor like you said Nate who preaches expositionally have a church that does that we actually I have a couple points of why I think people need to 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 hear expositional preaching why don't we just start there yeah go for it go for it so we'll just define that just in case our listeners aren't familiar but expositional preaching is just am I taking one of your points no 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 go yeah so expositional preaching is just um, just preaching uh, uh, with the Bible exposing that's where exposition exposing what the Bible actually says so instead of 
And so an example would be instead of saying, I, I'm going to preach on, you know, five weeks to a healthier marriage. And then I just go and cherry pick a bunch of verses that say what I want to say about marriage. That's one way to preach. And a lot of, uh, quite honestly, a lot of churches do those kinds of series. They come up with the series, then they find the verses that match what they want to say. Expositional preaching is you just start, start somewhere in the, in the Bible and work your way through a text and expose what the text says. Let the text speak for itself. So your big ideas, your points, you know, the, the things you're going to touch on are things that come out of the text rather than you imposing something on the text and going in and finding something that you want to preach on. One of the reasons I, we think that's, like, I think that's super important is that, truthfully, I know it's kind of funny because you're sitting right here, but your, pre- your preacher is a sinner. Which means, Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> particularly if you go, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, you're you, right. You yeah. have to recognize that your your yeah. your shepherd is is a man who needs grace every single morning when they wake up. They need, yeah. amen, <laughs> sanctification. They need support. They need encouragement. Which also means they have the temptations to do what you just said. They have the temptation to skip over something that can convict them right. and preach something that doesn't convict them. That it's just a great message that nobody's going to give them pushback on, that nobody's going to fight them. Because let's, let's be honest, did you, did you really want to wake up when you preach through complementarianism in a church with right. a, lot of, a lot of very strong <laughs> women? Yeah. And no. that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. But did you want to do it? Yeah. No, but you did it because it's faithful. Well, and even um, the first year I was at Crossroads, uh, I taught through Ephesians, right? And I remember um, getting through the doctrines of grace and essentially Calvinism um, without ever using that term, but but preaching through the first two chapters of, of Ephesians and, and teaching the doctrines of grace to a congregation that, that primarily had not been taught that perspective on Scripture. Um, there would have been a lot of Arminians by default or even a lot of semi-Pelagians who, who just believed that they had some merit in their own salvation. Um, yeah, it's not easy, and you do get a lot of pushback. I remember in the first year we had to do Sunday evening Q&As, right, to get, to get through what I was teaching through because people had so many questions. And, uh, yeah, it's not easy. It makes more work for you, but it's, it's worth it. No, exactly, because fundamentally we all want our ears tickled. Right. So people who are going to church, like somebody like yourself, Jay, who who came for years, but didn't know that they weren't hearing what they were supposed to hear because we're used to getting our ears tickled. We turn on TV. We watch movies that make us feel good. Right. Why would church be any different if we don't know it's supposed to be different? We go and we hear something. We hear a message that we want to hear that makes us feel good. You know, you're not you're not doing too bad. There's other people who are out there who are just as bad, but you're all saved by the blood of Jesus, which isn't which isn't wrong in itself, but you're only hearing one half of the gospel, right? You're not hearing what you're saved from, right? I mean, and which means you're, you're hearing a gospel that's not a full orb gospel and that's not good. Yeah. So that would be another reason I would say. So So I'm a sinner. What's your next point? Well, that that (laughs) was point two that we all want our ears tickled. The third reason I think it's super important. Okay. So, so your, uh, your pastor's a sinner. Absolutely. So he needs to preach expositionally to, um, save himself from the temptation to preach what he wants to preach to skip over difficult passages and to uh, avoid things that will give him pushback. We all want our ears tickled is the second point. So um, we, we need to preach expositionally so that we don't get lulled into um, just hearing what we want to hear. What's your third point? Third, third point about why I think Christians should only attend churches that s- preach this way is, in my opinion, if our goal, if we're honest with ourselves and our goal is sanctification, our goal is to become like Christ so that we can glorify him and show his glory to the world. 
we need to find a church that is constantly dragging us, kicking and screaming to that goal. Mm. And that goal can be accomplished by people who hear expositional preaching, who understand the word of God, who live it out and who are willing to convict you. Who are, We talked about a couple of weeks ago about not being afraid to call sin, sin, yeah. not being afraid in our churches, particularly in our churches to have accountability conversations, church discipline, things that, let's be honest, the attractional church has lost. Totally. When was the last time you went to a church that called out somebody who who is a member of that church on their sin publicly? I've been in church for, not my entire life, but for a long time and I've never seen it. Right. And it's not because, and part of that is because some of the churches I went to have been bad, but some of it's because we've just lost this mentality to call sin, sin. Yeah. And so I think we need to find, and I think that starts with your pastor, and I think it starts with the mentality of let's just preach the word of God, and knowing that sanctification comes through learning and hearing and renewing our minds, that the people who are under that shepherd will drag you along with them, even if it's kicking and screaming in some cases. Nice. <laughs> so I haven't had to... Drag Jay kicking and screaming. He's come pretty. <laughs> he's come pretty willing. I had to do it a couple of times when I when I suggested we play oceans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was. Do you hate oceans as much as I, I hate oceans so much? Thank you. It's, How many times have I made you play? It's so theologically incorrect. The <laughs> lyrics, the everything about that song, I hate. <laughs> His beard even moved out. Of there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so he, I I just want to highlight this because Jay wouldn't uh, brag on himself with this, but so like just talk about some of the changes. So you come to a, a church preaching expositionally, kind of um, growing in your faith quite a bit. Um, I know you're reading a lot more than, than you ever have before. Talk about some of the other changes because, I mean, you, so your, your family's making some education choices and, uh, and some other big changes that are in the works right now. So just kind of talk about where God is leading you guys. Yeah, okay. So um, my wife actually said this last night uh, while we were talking about prepping for this episode. Um, she said, if I had to describe you today and you a year or a year and a half ago, it would be two completely separate people. Mm. Like I, it wouldn't even register. Somebody listening wouldn't think you were talking about the same person. Um, so before, you know, a couple of years ago, I wasn't being a biblical husband. Um, I love my wife. I, I, jump on a grenade for, but I wasn't being a biblical husband. Right. I wasn't being a biblical father. Same thing. I'd I'd love my kids to death. I would do anything for them, but I wasn't being that biblical father because I didn't understand what that meant. Hmm. Um, we recently attended a marriage seminar with, um, what's that guy's name? Paul Tripp. Right. And he said, your marriage must model the gospel. I mean, that's a sucker punch for anybody, right? Because as good as you think you're doing, my marriage does not model the gospel. I don't love my wife like Christ loved the church. Right. I fail every single day at that, yeah. which is a problem. So now we have new goals to set. Um, <clears throat> but since since coming to Crossroads, since you know making all these changes, we you know before this we weren't involved in a small group. Um, I wasn't doing the worship ministry that I'm doing now. Um, we weren't connected with a church family. We weren't reading our Bibles. You know, we were opening it every now and then very nonchalantly, but not taking it seriously. Right. But since then now, you know, we've heard you preach. We, we go back, we talk about the scriptures. We have all sorts of questions for each other. We attend a small group. I'm involved in the worship ministry. Uh, my wife has started a couple or helped start a couple of the women's yeah, ministries sure. at the church. Um, so we're heavily involved. We have that community now. Um, and everything about that has changed. Once you understand how to read the Bible, even that was a fundamental issue for me. So the story of David and Goliath, 
well, you're David. What's your Goliath to overcome? Right. Well, that's wrong. That's that's arrogant. That's yeah. I am not the savior in you're the Bible. That that is. You need insane. to overcome your job loss. Son. Yeah. You know what I mean. So, <laughs> why did you just suddenly go like Southern Pentecostal preacher on us? Because I got a little bit of sin in me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. No. Nice. So you know. So this is the first time that I actually heard. I am not David. I am that Israelite cowering because I don't have my faith in God. Once you understand how to read that Bible, where yeah. Jesus is the main character, yeah. A, the Bible makes so much more sense. Yep. And B, it's a huge conviction. Once once that scripture takes root in your heart and you allow that, you, I mean, you just get hungry for it. You want to delve deeper. You have questions. I know I bug both of you guys all the time <laughs> with text messages and emails and questions and whatever, um, just because it's so Keep them coming. relatively brand new for us, right? Um, but yeah, so now... You know, we change how we approach things with our kids. Um, you know, my daughter is two years old and she said she wanted to read Galatians because my wife is going through the fruits of the spirit with her. And I don't know when I knew what the book of the Bible Galatians was, but it certainly wasn't when I was two. So right. my wife's obviously doing something really right while I'm at work. Um, we have devotions with our kids. We talk to them about what the Bible is. We don't candy coat it for them. That's not any of our jobs as parents to candy coat the Bible, right? Give them the Bible, give them the word of God and let the Holy Spirit do its work. Yeah. Otherwise Amen. you're just being arrogant, right? Yep. I don't have that power. Only the Holy Spirit has that power. So yeah. And I mean, our, our marriage has taken a whole different course, right? We, we're communicating more now than we ever have. We talk a lot more. We, we read our Bible together. We challenge each other on different things. Even our roles. A while ago, you finished a sermon series on, on roles of the husband and the wife. Yeah, typical so we've, manhood and womanhood. Yeah. So we've, really challenged each other on that as well. We're at the point now where very likely we're going to be homeschooling our kids just because we've been convicted about the public school system and how it's absolutely failing our kids um, on a regular basis. And it's hard to combat when I come home from work, I have a few hours before they go to bed. Well, they've just spent eight, nine hours at school in a secular environment. And some of the stuff they've already come home with, like my kid's teacher, my kid is six, my kid's teacher has already told him we came from Stardust. And then I have to try to debunk that for him. I have to correct him on that. There's a whole pile of stuff that my kids have come home from school with. Well, I remember you were the first one who, who told me about the gender unicorn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the gender <laughs> unicorn. Now that one didn't come home from my kids. Somebody else told me about that one. But that's the stuff that's in our public right. education systems, right? So we've been very convicted about that. And, you know, raising our kids that's our command from God, right? He's blessed us with these kids. It's our responsibility to train them up in the word of God mm-hmm. and hopefully to love God and right. and so forth. So. so word of God being central, right? And, and I, think that's the, uh, I think that's the main place where um, I think the church is kind of bought into lies. So as we talk about the truth apocalypse, the truth that has kind of died in the church, I think for a lot of churches, is the belief that the word of God is all you need for life and for godliness, right? The word of God is sufficient. The word of God is inerrant. The word of God is powerful. And, uh, and, and so what we've, what we've done is we've replaced the power of the word of God with our own pragmatic strategies, right? This, this is how we, you know, we'll come up with a great discipleship strategy in our church, or we'll come up with a great, you know, missions campaign, or we'll come up with like a great outreach event, right? And, and, and so it's our strategy, our creativity, our ingenuity that's going to help save people, help sanctify people. And, and the more we are relying on our creativity and just being pragmatic, what's working, what's getting butts in the seats, what's getting tithing, you know, in the, in the plate, 
um, the more we think pragmatically, the less we're relying on the power of God. And we've kind of lost that. It's like we don't trust the word of God to do the power anymore, do the work anymore. You know what I mean? We've, we've lost the idea that eternal life hinges on the word of God. Yeah. I think if it's Mark Dever and his nine marks, he, he literally says the only thing that matters is the preaching of the word of God. And that's right. in all spheres of life. Right. As long as we're putting the word of God into practice and declaring it, that's all that matters. First Peter tells us um, that God's word causes us to be born again. Um, and that's like, we see that we know that faith comes through hearing and hearing comes through the word of God. And we know that Jesus said that these words that he was proclaiming were, were our eternal life. The, the word of God is what grants salvation. It's the Holy spirit working through that, but it's his words and that proclaim to the truth that grants eternal life to us. Right. So, um, you mentioned it, uh, nine marks of a healthy church. Uh, it's Mark Dever's book. And this is really so when I first got to Crossroads, uh, I went through this this book with the elders, and this is what we this is really what I think helped push us on the right path. If I can say we're on the right path, I mean we're we're obviously still learning, and we're not we're not perfect by any means. Yeah, no church in is perfect any of these areas. No. But uh, so he starts with so the nine marks of a healthy church. What what makes a healthy church? And he starts with expositional preaching, right? So exposing the word of God, making the word of God central, and everything else he says flows from there. So number one, expositional preaching. Number two, biblical theology. And so this is one of your points, Jay, when you're talking about, you know, learning what eschatology was and all these sorts of things, learning what soteriology was, learning what Calvinism was, learning what the doctrines of grace were, learning these things, you know, that it's a it's a systematic and it's a biblical theology. Like and and that was one thing that you and I going back and forth is you're you're now interested in theology. Like yeah. you want to learn about God. You want to learn about his word. It's not just a matter of, well, give me five practical points so that I can, you know, be a better employee this week. Right. Right. But now you care about theology. You want to learn about God. Yeah, say those first two points again. So um expositional preaching and biblical theology. No, notice that it's not saying Great music. Yeah. It's not saying super friendly people. <laughs> right. It's not saying, you know, sermons that really help you in your day, like you said, in your day to day life. Right. It's saying expositional preaching. Yeah. Expose what the word of God <laughs> says. Teach the people. Yeah. And learn about God. And then biblical know theology. and then know God. Yeah. Um, number three is biblical understanding of the gospel. So this is essentially getting the gospel right. And, and this is one thing that I, I, I hope we, I mean, we certainly strive to be a gospel-centered church, but this is, this is another area, right? We, another area where many churches bought into the lie that we have to make the gospel palatable, right? We need to make it attractive. We need to, you know, let's not talk so much about sin and, and you know, depravity and judgment. Like, forget this whole turn or burn stuff, right? even though Jesus said, repent or perish, <laughs> but, um, you know, forget all that stuff. Just give people the good news. Right. And, and the good news only comes on the backdrop of the bad news. Right. I recently heard the, uh, the analogy that, um, you know, there's a reason in, uh, jewelry stores, they always put diamonds on the, on a black backdrop, right? Because it, it, it highlights all the beauty of the diamond on the black backdrop. So the good news is only good if it's on the backdrop of the bad news. Right. So third, yeah, biblical understanding of the gospel. Fourth, biblical understanding of conversion. And this is a big one. I mean, I don't know how much uh, we want to talk about this uh, because we don't want to be here all night, but like um, trying to disciple non-Christians, I, th I think is is one of the things that so many churches get caught up in. If, if you aren't preaching the gospel from your pulpit on a week-to-week -week basis, 
Um, you know, our, our churches surely are full of non-Christians and they should have never gotten into membership, but many of them are. And, uh, and so having a bunch of unconverted people in our churches is part of the problem. And, and we, now don't get me wrong. We want unconverted people to come into our churches to get saved. But when we start to assume that everybody who comes there is already converted and therefore they don't need the gospel or conversion, but what they need is discipleship, that's a problem. And so, Mar- yeah, Martin Lloyd-Jones, sorry to cut you off. No, He said it. in the book Preach, uh, Preachers and Preaching, he actually said, preach every sermon as if everybody in your congregation is unsaved. Yes. Preach every sermon yes, as absolutely. if every single person needs the gospel in that room because yeah. you don't, because you ultimately don't know. And so, and he recognized the idea that there are people in your congregations who know all of the right answers, but don't have a heart that's regenerated. That's right. And so preach every sermon yeah. with Biblical text to cut to the and the, cut to the, and the gospel isn't something you move on from. No, right? Like Paul, Paul said that he was he was satisfied to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. The gospel wasn't something Paul wanted to move on from. So the gospel isn't something that we should move on from. The the gospel justifies and sanctifies and glorifies. Right. But our, but our church has kind of got that idea that the gospel is the is the the milk, and then right. you know Calvinism and things like that are, are the solid food that we move on to. And it's like no, no, the gospel is always the solid food. Right. All of the other stuff that's the heart. Exactly, yeah. your understanding of it is what's milk, right? right. Um, so number five is a biblical understanding of evangelism, and here he basically just says that the way we evangelize speaks volumes about how we understand the gospel. So is our evangelism that sort of um, you know, cast a, a wide net, doing outreach events with a really watered down gospel in order to, to not offend people and that sort of thing. So he talks about evangelizing like we actually believe that the gospel is, is the power, God's power unto salvation. Six is biblical understanding of membership. And so he basically just says um, in that that uh, membership is important and we ought to make it important. And we, and we ought to make sure that as people are coming in, they understand what the responsibilities are and to guard membership, right? We don't want people coming into membership who either don't agree with the fundamental beliefs of the church or who aren't converted, right? That's one of the big problems. Like how many people do we have on membership rosters on our churches who never come? Well, it looks better that way. Right. Look at at the numbers. Yeah, it looks better. So biblical understanding of membership. Um, number seven, biblical church discipline. You're kind of touching on this one, Pudi, but, uh, but if we aren't disciplining, then what does that say about how we hold one another accountable to the commands of God. Uh, number eight, I'll just jump through these and then you can, uh, you guys can jump in and talk about them. So number eight is uh, promotion of church dis- discipleship and growth. And number nine is biblical understanding of leadership. So those are the nine marks of a healthy church. And I, I would just say that uh, you can go through those nine things and, and look at nine different ways that the church right now, in a lot of ways, is failing because we don't do any of that stuff because we're relying on pragmatism rather than the word of God. Which, which, which of those do you think the church has got the most wrong? Um, to be honest with you, I think it all starts in the pulpit. I think it all starts with expositional preaching. I, I just don't see uh, many churches uh, committed to expositional preaching. And uh, I, and I think, I think that's because it's harder in a lot of ways, right? I mean, um, it, it's easier for me to kind of look at the church and try to assess its needs based on what I see. And so I could look out and say, you know, we got a, a lot of marriages that are kind of failing. I should do a series on on uh, marriage. Hey, the finances aren't that great right now. You know, I should do a series on giving. Um, look out there and say, you know what? Uh, there's a bit of uh, 
there's a there's a bit of difficult stuff going on in in Ontario right now, so I should do a, a series on you know how to how to suffer well. Um, but I mean, what is that assuming? That's assuming that I know better than God what the needs of my people are, right? And 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 I should know the needs of my people, but I'm sinful. I'm flawed. You pointed out every preacher's a sinner, Pooty, and I think you said I'm the worst. So <laughs> that that just means that I'm not I'm not able to assess as well as the Word of God. And so we we trust in God's sovereignty. We 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 pray as to what uh, books of the Bible He might lead us to preach through, but preach through a book of the Bible. And I'm amazed that you guys are both nodding your heads right now. I'm amazed how often what I preach on on a week to week basis hits what's going on in the culture so well right or what's going on in our church or, or how things just timely work out um it's it's amazing but that's because god's sovereign and his word speaks to all of life it's all of god's word for all of life and that's kind of what you were talking about jay when you said you know growing in my faith has made me a better husband it's made me a better yeah. father it's made me a better employee and that's because um isaiah 7 says if you're not if you're not firm in faith you won't be firm in anything in other words faith colors everything so well it's, it's it's interesting i liked what you said about there's all there's never been a week where you've preached and it hasn't hit it hasn't landed on the congreg- congregation god word god's word never comes back void right? right and i i know and i thought about this how many times i've been at churches that have preached a topical sermon and it'd be like it was about children and i unfortunately don't have them so it right. it didn't really teach me anything and i left being like oh i think his points were solid but didn't convict me in any way. Didn't make me right. think of anything. Whereas if you preach expositionally, the word of God always convicts it, right. always pierces the soul. It always makes you aware of something in your life. Cause you see Jesus every time you preach. Right. Cause the gospel is central when you preach his word. Right. And I think that's like you said it, the most found, foundational thing a church can do because it's God's word that sanctifies us. Right. And, and so I mean, that's a good point. So it's not like there's not going to be a time. So when I was preaching through Ephesians, you get to Ephesians 6, uh, verses 1 and 2, where it talks about how, um, you know, uh, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is good. So you, you, you preach about that. But because it's coming in the context of a full letter of Ephesians, which is, is written to the entire church in Ephesus, um, because I will relate it each week to the verses that come before and the verses that come afterwards, it comes in the context of a full letter. So I'm not preaching a topical sermon about kids, and therefore it's not not relevant to anybody who doesn't have kids. I'm preaching it in the context of a letter that was written to a church about how to care for their kids, both as a church and as individual families. And so there is pertinent points there because this is this letter was written to a church. So what what's the church's responsibility to children, right? Exactly. So you, it always gains relevance because God's word was written not to us, but certainly for us. And we get the whole context of the letter. We get the whole context of the book uh, when we preach it expositionally. Exactly. Yeah. You have to keep in mind, though, that if more churches preached expositionally, you guys would have a lot less material for your, I don't think that verse means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very true. And and you know what, though, that's a solid point, right? So we wouldn't be able to do those, those uh, videos if people were preaching expositionally, because that's one of the first things you say, what comes before it, what comes after it, put it in its context. And, you know, the, the famous line that Chris always loves to quote, um, you know, never read a Bible verse, right? Always put it in its context. If people were preaching expositionally, we wouldn't be ripping things out of the context. We'd yeah. understand the Bible a lot more. And that's what you're saying. Like, you've been, you've gone to church your entire life, and yet you didn't 
fully understand how what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount related to the Old Testament related to because you weren't getting a fuller picture of, of the Word of God yep. because the pastor was just cherry-picking where he wanted to in order to make his points. If, if every church was doing this, we wouldn't just lose... We oh, truthfully, we probably wouldn't just lose those videos. We probably have no need to be doing this podcast. Yeah, if every church, point. if every church yeah. just simply preached expositionally. When we talked to uh, Tim Bailey a couple weeks ago, right? That's what he, he he basically said. That he's just like you know, he's like podcasts don't matter, conferences don't matter, celebrity <laughs> pastors don't matter. He's like, I don't matter. He's like, nothing matters. You're like, what does matter, uh, Pastor Tim? And he he says only the local church matters. And if if local churches were being faithful, you're absolutely right. We would have all that we need here. We wouldn't need the John Pipers of the world to be the John Pipers of the world because they'd be feeding our pastors, but our fat pastors would be feeding us. And we wouldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And These guys become famous because there are people who go to a church that doesn't do this. They feel loyal to that church, but they still want and look for these guys so they get attached to these pastors who they're never going to meet yeah. and listen because they're like, well, what does the Bible say about this topic? Because my pastor isn't preaching it. Right. And so I would that's challenge a, that's anybody. Huge, yeah. Like I would challenge anybody, to be honest, like, there's there's good things in loyalty, but if you're if you're pre, if you're pastor and you're preaching and your church isn't loyal to the word of God, what are they loyal to? Right. At that point, why are you loyal to somebody who isn't loyal to the word of God? That's yeah. Well, and and you know what? Like as a pastor, so so maybe this is partially selfish. I like I see that there's merit in loyalty to a church, and and being there to be part of the change. But I think that is the line, right? Is is your church committed to the word of God? Because I see people leave because you know, the children's ministry isn't quite as slick as we want it to be, or, hey, you know, the worship isn't quite as contemporary as we want it to be, or the church is too, con- or the worship is too contemporary, and we like hymns, you know. We, we leave churches over all kinds of stupid stuff. But at the end of the day, the question should be, is that church faithful to the Word of God? Like, are they preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God? And if that's the case, hey, you don't like the children's ministry? then either pray that God brings somebody who can assist your church in getting a better children's ministry or, hey, go be a part of that change, right? Like be there to change that. But at the end of the day, is your pastor a Christian man who loves the word of God and is teaching and preaching the word of God? If so, be um, uh, a, an ally of him. Go, go Help make that church better. If he isn't, you need to find somebody who, who, who is. Because exactly. at the end of the day... Hebrews 13 um, talks about how um, it says, submit to uh, those who are in authority over you. And in the context there, it's talking about church authority. It says, submit to those who are in authority over you as ones who give what, uh, will give an account for your souls. So, there, so the idea here is that pastors are going to stand before God. Pastors and elders are going to stand before God and give an account for the people that they shepherded. And we are going to stand, that we who are not pastors and elders are going to stand before God and be held accountable for whether or not we submitted to them. And so if you are at a church, you ought not to submit to a man who is not faithful to the word of God. So that's, at the end of the day, that's, so you can go to a church that'll tickle your ears. You can go to a church with a slick worship band and a great children's ministry. But if that man is not faithful to the word of God, that's not a man that you want to submit to and you want to give an account to God for your soul. So Amen. at the end of the day, that's it, right? Is this a man you will submit to? And pastors, and, and this is a call to pastors. If you're a pastor and you're listening to this, 
you will stand before God and give an account for every single person on your membership roster. <laughs> and I don't know if God will have your membership roster. Like when you stand before him and say, let me, let me open up the Crossroads Alliance Church membership roster uh, during the years that you were there. But I, I think see Chris I think, Poots attended, yeah. but he also went here. So yeah. why does he have three memberships? Um, no, but I think the, um, the point there is that membership ought to be a way for you to be able to say, that's somebody I'm going to give an account for. Right. Because, you know, my sermons go online and people listen to them. I'm not responsible for every person who has ever heard me preach, but I am going to be called onto the carpet to give an account for the people who are under my shepherding care. And to me, that's why membership matters. So all of these things relate to one another. But at the end of the day, pastors, you're going to give an account for somebody. Who are those people that you're going to give an account for? And make sure like that is a scary thing. You're going to stand before God and he's going to call you onto the carpet for the people whose souls were under your care. That is heavy. Yikes. And, 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 and men and women who are in churches, you're going to stand before God and he's going to hold you accountable for the way in which you submitted to your church leaders. That's heavy too. So you have to make sure that your pastor is somebody who you are willing to submit to. And pastors, you need to be making sure that you will give an account for people you are willing to give an account for. It's heavy. It is heavy. Amen. Yeah. So, find a good church. <laughs> Application point number one of this podcast. Go find a good church. Christian life hack. Yeah. If he walks in and he doesn't open his Bible, leave. Yeah, leave. Yeah. <laughs> if your church leaves the lights too dim for you to read your Bible during the sermon, <laughs> leave. No, no. But in, in, all, in all seriousness, um, the, the church has bought into a lot of lies. And I think one of the main lies that we've bought into these days is the, lo- or is the lie of pragmatism. Whatever works is the right thing to do. Wrong. Whatever the word of God says to do is the right thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it, uh, it's important stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. Got you, anything else you want to say? You good, Pootie? I feel great about that. Yeah. You good, Jay? Awesome. Thanks, thanks for, for having coming me. on the podcast, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That was a blast. Um, and uh, to all the other BMN guys, um, be jealous. Your boy, Jay, who likes comments on all your posts, he was in Garage Mahal first. Yeah, you guys should see this place. It's awesome. You should absolutely. <laughs> no, be you guys should just see his beard. Forget the. <laughs> yeah, and, his beard and you should is see pretty my beard. great in person. Pretty great in person. I spent a lot of time on it. So. All right. Well, we uh, we're gonna sign off for today and uh, join us again next week for another episode of the Truth Apocalypse. So remember to like us on Facebook, share us on Instagram. Actually, probably like us on Instagram and share us on Facebook. That probably works out better. Also, follow us on Twitter, and you can follow us also on our website, which is www.rebelalliancemedia.com. Have a great one, guys. Yeah.